When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like, do breaks work? (laughs) Can you really stay friends with an ex? And being the comma butt girl. Uh, your inflection on all those was so good. I like woke up. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. I biked to the studio today. And she I got have, lost. And I got lost. Thank you for the fucking punch uh-huh. joke. Beat me to the punch joke. Listen, we have driven to the studio I know. so well, many times. Here's the thing. is I, I've lived in Minneapolis for like a decade. I've I've been recording in the studio for over a year. And I was late because I got lost. <laughs> it's fine. And it's not even a lie. Like, you know how sometimes you're running late and you're like, oh, traffic. But it's really that you're like still in bed and you're not dressed yet. <laughs> it's that I got lost. Um, you know, that's real, though. It's yeah. a confusing time in a confusing city. Yeah. In, in, a, in a young girl's life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is all to say we are not professionals. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam. Mm -hmm. Welcome to this episode. Great. Do you know what we're going to talk about for the check-in? We're going to talk about things you're supposed to talk about on a first date, apparently, according to some really reputable website that we found when we Googled this like five seconds ago. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so first dates, they're awkward or awesome. Yeah. Like I feel like people either hate them or I don't know. I think they can kind of be fun. I love first dates. Why? Uh, because I love meeting people in a very controlled setting and being able to talk in depth with them about like their life and their interests. And yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Less so myself. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so too. I think that... I love a good conversation. So if the person, if it's, if it's going well, if there, if there is uh, chemistry and not just chemistry, but um, I'm freaking out. I just noticed that the walls in the studio are all different. I know they are. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm freaking out. I just, I just noticed. <laughs> oh God. I don't know if you guys remember, but Spencer once took a table out of his studio and Sam and I had like a tam- temper tantrum for like three months. We couldn't figure it out. We just couldn't deal. <laughs> like we were like children who couldn't deal with like when you replace the couch, yeah. you know? I did actually freak out when my parents replaced the couch when I was like six. I made like little don't replace the couch protest signs. Oh my God. Wow. That's yeah, where really I intense. drew a new couch and then I put the red Ghostbusters circle uh-huh. across through it. Wow. That's, yeah. That actually like makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Like attached to things that aren't good for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, first dates in the new studio. Uh, we're talking about first dates. We were. Talking before this episode about like um, how sometimes if if conversations are not necessarily your forte, mm-hmm. 
or or opening up is a little uncomfortable to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that first dates can be a little bit awkward at the best of times. But uh, we looked up with like a forty-five second Google search, <laughs> very accredited research. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are professionals, as we say. <laughs> yes, on the website ZooSK. Zusk. Yeah, I think dot- that's a, like a dating website. Is it cute? I'd have never heard of it. Yeah. Sponsor us. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, dating topics, 14 things to talk about on a first date. So this is written by Shani J. Shani J. Shani J. <laughs> sounds like a fake person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Sam and I are going to answer these 14 questions rapid fire style. Are okay. you ready? Yep. And we're also going to say if you should say them on dates or not. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Okay. One, if you could hop on a plane right now, where would you go? Great first date question. I think that's a fun one. Yeah. I would say St. Petersburg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would probably go to Hawaii. Okay. That's, yeah, that's different. They're just... We're clearly incompatible. That's not true. This has been a great first date. I just want to like be on a de- beach and Hawaii is so naturally beautiful and diverse and Yeah. I'm just obsessed with Russia, so yeah. I really want to go there, but they hate gay people, so that's yeah, not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does tell me a lot about you because you're cold and barren. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two, where is home? And home is in quotes. Oh, uh it's where the heart is. Uh <laughs> I'm leaving you. <laughs> Tinder failed me yet again. Um, I feel Not like my- only did it set me up with a homosexual. <laughs> uh, um, I would say home is that house that we just bought. Oh, cute. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a very uh, literal person, though, sometimes. So. Yeah, I don't know what home would be for me. Um, Like, home would be sharing really good food and a glass of wine with people I love. Oh, that's Blech. so much more poetic. Would you ask that on a first date? No. That's weird. Yeah. Okay, That's num- a weird one for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I a think- little too, like, hippy-dippy. <laughs> yeah, woo-woo. <laughs> Number three, what is the best meal you've ever had? Oh, my God. I don't know. You go first. The person who wrote this article said, this question is much better than asking what's your favorite food because it's more specific and requires a much more specific response. But I'm like... Uh, uh, I would rather say, what is your favorite food? Or yeah. like, or like, where's your favorite place to eat in the city that you live in? Yes, I think that's a better one. Because that, because like the favorite, my favorite meal I've ever eaten is like, okay, well, let me look back on my 31 years of life <laughs> yeah. and decide which one. But if you're like, what's your favorite place to eat? Or like, where's the best meal you've had in a specific place, then it can be like, oh, well, let me tell you about going to Bar La Grassa or whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Tilia has this butternut squash soup that is like a fall autumn orgasm in your mouth. It's okay. so good. Oh, my God. I'm so hungry right now, and all I want is butternut squash soup. <laughs> it is. I'm not kidding. You and Peter have to go there, and you have to call ahead to make sure they have it because it is the most insane food experience I've ever had. And okay. it's a fucking soup. Yeah. Like how I love butternut squash soup. I know. Though. And this soup, it's like, it was mind-blowing. I wouldn't be talking like this if it wasn't <laughs> such a fucking insane Everyone soup. Everyone who lives in Austin is like, I'm not going to their live show. They're just going to do talk about <laughs> Minneapolis the whole time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So number four. 
Did you have any nicknames growing up? Yes, Viper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like this could be slightly traumatic. Yeah, Um, a little bit. But uh, my family nickname is Cece. My family still calls me Cece. Mm -hmm. And uh, my cousin once called me Cecil for a couple years, and I hated it. (laughs) That's great. That's the embarrassing one. I feel like people just call me Sammy, which I don't like, by the way. So, like, don't. I call you Sammy sometimes. Yeah, you're allowed to because you're, like, a close friend. I don't like it when, like, strangers do it. Yeah, why would they do that? (laughs) Listen. (laughs) I'll stop doing it, but I just think Sammy's a cute, like, endearing nickname. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, I won't call you that anymore. (laughs) It's it's fine. Even something else, like, Samwise. Have a good summer. like... (laughs) Sammers, like anything, like Sammy, it just, I don't know why it grates on me, but like it yeah. really does. Sammers, I'm yeah. going to call you. Uh, Samikins. Um, Samsonite. Uh, Sam is in my girlfriend's phone as Bam Slackwell. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a wild one. Uh, All right. N- would you ask that question on a first date? No. I wouldn't either. Triggering. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your past trauma. Yeah. Number five, what were you like as a child? Well, I was uh, deeply damaged by my parents' divorce. <laughs> Just I kidding. spent a lot of time playing in the dirt by myself. Yeah, that actually was me. I like grew up in the woods of upstate New York and I was homeschooled by hippies. So You were homeschooled? You never you didn't know I was homeschooled for a while? No. I it was only a couple of years. I went into school in second grade. So I was only homeschooled for oh, kindergarten that's and first less grade. Less weird. Keep in mind <laughs> a small portion of my family was homeschooled, including my siblings. And all of a sudden you're like, this all makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah. Hashtag no regrets because hashtag I had no autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> homeschooled. Oh my god. We'll talk about it offline. It was okay. fine. That's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were, it was kindergarten and the second grade. Like, yeah, exactly. I think what it made you me, even learn then? I think it made me more creative and um, and I was incredibly socialized. And so were my siblings and cousins who, like, in my extended family. Oh, right, because you, like, lived on a commune. Uh, No, but we did have a very big family. Yeah. That all lived close to each other. But we were socialized in that we were, like, in gymnastics and oh. we were in, like, a church group. and So were your older school? Siblings homeschooled when they were, like, in high school? Yes. Oh. Uh, no. not No. My sis, my This doesn't matter on the podcast, but <laughs> my middle sister was homeschooled until sixth grade. My elder sister was homeschooled until ninth grade. Oh, and then everyone went to? High school. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Not, the more you know. Yeah. About had... Sierra DeMolder and her family. <laughs> I went to public school from yeah. kindergarten on. If anybody is questioning the life choices of my parents, um, my middle name is Fawn, <laughs> so that should give uh-huh. you a pretty good essence of what my childhood was like. Yep, yep. Moving on. Uh, what's something you wouldn't, I wouldn't guess about you? I'm an axe murderer. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I would ask that. I think it's just like a, I think it's a little. Yeah. I don't know what I would say. I'd be like, uh. I'm sluttier than you think. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm super into Russia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's just the one that you're, like, nailing home on every answer. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't think I would ask that. seen every episode of Star Trek? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's usually, like, my, when we're doing, like, an icebreaker thing, that's usually my thing. That's cute. Of, like, what's something fun about you? I'm like, I've seen every episode of every iteration of Star Trek. I think that's really cute. Yeah. Um, I think people wouldn't guess that I, well, maybe they would, but 
I'm like really into X Files. Yeah. I don't think I present as that. No. Uh Okay. What is on your bucket list? I I think that's a great first date question actually mm-hmm. because it it kind of puts conversations about what people want out in an easy way. Like mm-hmm. what do you want? Cuz it 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 could also be like, "Oh, I want to climb Mount Everest or yeah. I want to get I want to finish my leg tattoo." <laughs> uh-huh. You know. Yeah. But it could be like, "Well, one day I want to get married and have kids and I want to like get my job off the ground or my business or whatever." Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you have anything on your bucket list? Um, I mean, I would go skydiving. I've been skydiving. Is it fun? It's terrifying. Great. But very fun. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? And this is a this could be a metaphor for dating. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could... I skydived when I was 18, right mm-hmm. before I went to college. Yeah. I don't think I could do it again now that I'm older. I get that. I, even though I've already done it, yep. it's like... Now in my 30s, it seems so much more terrifying to me, whereas I was younger, I had the, I still had that, like, yeah. haze of youth. And, yeah, like you're immortal. Nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah, and, and, and I just was all about the adrenaline to, like, yeah. have, like, a cool life experience to talk about. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be awesome. And now I'm like, I don't think I could do it again, yeah. even though it was really cool and really challenging and really rewarding. And I, I essentially would do it again in a, in a, in the next life, yep. <laughs> but I wouldn't do it again because I think I, I, now that I know or am older and I'm more like aware, which is all a metaphor for every relationship I've yeah. ever had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think now that I uh, don't trust people <laughs> yes, and exactly. realize that like, like rules and regulations are like actually made up and like <laughs> no one enforces them. Yeah. That like, that would probably freak me out for and me? I might not be able to do it. And also like even going on roller coasters now, I'm like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, the roller coasters are super safe. They get inspected all the time. Like they're, You and now as a I'm child like, would know that. Yeah, and now I'm like, um, what 17-year-old has been inspecting this ride? Yeah. And did they actually do a good job? I don't know. Yeah. Still go on them, though. Yeah. For me, it's that people aren't going to like me more if I have interesting stories. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's hilarious. Number eight. What do you think your most attractive quality is? That booty. <laughs> oh, thank you. You've never seen it? <laughs> no, I know. I'm just so depressed about that. Um, I would probably say my ambition. Mm-hmm. I think people are attracted to that. Or that's the, right, the yeah. right people the right are attracted people are. to it. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a good question. I think it's cute. Mm-hmm. And it requires people to talk positively about themselves. Mm-hmm. Number nine, what's been the most significant or best year of your life so far? Oh, God, definitely not this one. Yeah, I know. Most significant. <laughs> um, That's a weird question. Don't ask I don't that like one. that one. I'm no. going to pass. Mm-mm. Don't ask that question. No. Skip. Tell me about your family. It's number 10. <laughs> Do we get two skips or? <laughs> um, everyone on this podcast knows everything about my family. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would probably talk about I would talk about my family. I, I like my family. And yeah, I, I think mean, I that- would talk about them for sure. Yeah. And I think that's a normal question to ask would be like, do you have siblings? Yeah. Like, tell me about them. Yeah. I would probably say like, tell me about, yeah, I would ask about your siblings. Um, and I would ask about your family. But I'd also say like. Um, you know, feel free to share or not share any drama. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To, yep. to welcome the idea that not every family is perfect yep. and kind of chuckle about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Number 11. If you won a million dollars tomorrow, what would you do? 
I would limit to three things. Okay. Um, I would <laughs> quit my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would fly to St. Petersburg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I would smartly invest that million dollars in a way that would make it sustainable for me to never work again. Yeah. Or at least like. I mean, I would have to work again. A million dollars is like not actually that much money. Yeah, I know. Um, What's so funny is the author of this article is like, this will tell you whether they're reckless or sensible. And I'm like, will it though? Because like (laughs) getting a million dollars, like I'm for sure going to finish my fucking tattoo leg sleeve or pant leg, as you say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I'm not, I don't necessarily agree with her that like, a surprise million dollars for sure. I'm going to indulge with some of it, like yeah, your trip sure. to Russia. Yeah, you know, no, that's a good idea. I yeah. mean, like you should indulge, like a windfall like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I then you probably, can also like be smart about it. I would buy my dream house, mm. like the dream house. Yeah, the house that you've always wanted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know how much houses cost, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, it, the money would be gone. <laughs> well, I don't even think I would. The house wouldn't be like a million dollar house. It'd be like a $700,000 house. (laughs) Okay. Love it. (laughs) Just kidding. I'd probably invest it because I'm boring. Number 12. What are you most afraid of? How about do you have any phobias? Okay. Clowns. Yeah. Pigeons. Pigeons. I'm afraid of most animals, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just don't. Dogs and cats are fine, but like dogs that are too big, no. Yeah. Uh, like even Spencer's dog is like he's a horse on the verge of being too big for me. He's a furry horse dog. But I don't like llamas. I don't like horses. I don't <laughs> like cows. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, can't trust it. You don't know what it's gonna do. No, no. Uh, yeah. What are you most afraid of? I don't know. Like wasting my time on this first date. <laughs> Just kidding. That's something you're most afraid of? Uh, who do you talk to the most? I think that's actually a really interesting question. Hmm. I don't know if I can, like, narrow it down to one person. I feel like I talk to many of my friends equally. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would say so, too, because, like, and, and, and as we'd say on the podcast a lot, like, different people serve different purposes. Yep. So, like, discounting you, like, pretending you're not in the equation and my girlfriend's not in the equation. Yeah. Because you and I talk business and friendship yeah and also our job is to talk to each other yeah literally so it's like you number one (laughs) it's not often that i like talk nonstop for an hour and a half with someone (laughs) i know and disregarding our partners yeah i'm thinking like uh, the people that i turn to it's like probably my sister Mm -hmm. um my dad yeah and spencer i don't have a lot of friends (laughs) yeah i mean i talked to heather I talked to Zeb a lot because he lives across the street from me now. Yeah. <laughs> and I talked to you and Peter. Yeah. And Merrick. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I like that question because somebody might be like, oh my God, I'm really close to my mother or... Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. I like that question. Okay. Last question. Number 14. If you were stranded on an island and could take three things with you, what would they be? Oh my God. I hate this question. I know. And the, and the author wrote, this is a quirky question that'll show your playful side. Do <laughs> <laughs> you really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what three things would I bring? Um, Not this question. Yeah. I hate this question because I'm like, okay, Not so my what date. three things am I going to bring because and to like give me joy until I 
die. Yeah. Or is <laughs> like, it like starve to death? Or is it like one of the things I'm going to bring is a lifetime supply of food? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, am I? Do I go utilitarian Potent drinking or potable drinking water? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Netflix and an internet connection. Yeah, right. <laughs> And a way to get off the deserted island. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so we're going to abandon that question yeah, no, on good. the island. Uh, and that, my friends, is the end of our check-in topic of 14 things. But, you can... like, do you have a question that you would always ask on a first date? I do ask about siblings and family. I feel like that's, like, a good way to get into their family life. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't know, get to know them or their childhood. Yep. Um... I love to talk about people's work mm-hmm. and I love to talk about the dynamics behind why we do or why we chose the work that we chose, even if it's like just because the paycheck's good or because I have to and I've got mm-hmm. bills to pay or I love it. Um, I think one of the things that I really love in the world is when people find pleasure in their work, no matter how significant their job is, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I tend to ask about people's jobs or 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 if not their professional work, what is the work that they love to do that they feel passionate about? Whether yeah. that be creative or interpersonal or professional. Yeah. That's great. What about you? Um, I feel like one of the questions that I would always ask is like, if Netflix would describe the genre of things that you watch the most, what would it be? Mm. Um, funny friends solve murders. <laughs> Spoiler, one of them is a murderer. Ooh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm just thinking like New Girl plus Forensic Files. Because <laughs> uh, one time Netflix gave me this hyper-specific genre, which was like... Oh, yeah, like, and they're all queer. <laughs> yeah, which is like uh, sci-fi fantasy teen dramedies with a strong female lead. And I was like, yup, that is exactly what I am into. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> Very cute. Okay. Um, if you have like a fun question that you ask on a first date all the time, hit us up and let us know what it is because, you know, share the wealth with other people. Yeah. So cute. Love that. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, let's get into some letters. Let's do it. All right. Our first letter comes from Howard Hughes, who is writing from Tucson, Arizona. Hello, I'm a 30-year-old guy who has just moved 1,800 miles from my ex-question mark girlfriend, 26 female, after almost three years together. We lived together for two of them, spending the last year together in grad school. For the first two blissful years of our relationship, we very rarely had disagreements of any kind. Rather, we found compatibility everywhere we looked. We'd pick the same furniture for our apartment, find we were reading the same books, and were united in our goals. We openly discussed marriage and were planning a future together. Quick background on me, this is my second serious relationship, with the last one lasting 12 years. Ten of those were long distance and it ended because she cheated on me and then lied about it for months. She regretted it and insisted that we attend couples therapy, but I decided that I could never regain trust with her and broke it off. I continued therapy by myself and put myself back in a place where I could give what I wanted to give to another person in my next relationship. It feels important to note that meeting my ex-girlfriend convinced me that I could love again. Mm. I was drawn to her immediately, and we became great friends before getting involved romantically. For the last year, she has not felt like herself. Her work situation prior to graduate school and recent academic challenges have catered her confidence, and this has spilled over into every aspect of her life. Our fiery love life evaporated as she felt less comfortable with her body, and she generally had much less energy to invest in me or us. Her attraction to me had boosted my own confidence, so it was hard to feel rejected by her. 
but I believed that this was temporary and tried my best to help her through it. I took on basically every household responsibility, even caring for her cat, to let her use whatever energy she had to heal. She told me that she loved me every day, but her actions supported this less and less. However, when I voiced concerns about my then-upcoming move, she reassured me that she knew things would work despite the distance. I was, quote, her person. Just before my move, she told me that she wanted to take a break because she had become convinced that radical self-reliance was necessary to regain her lost confidence and find herself again. I was blindsided, and her insistence that she still loved me and was uninterested in a future with anyone else did not help me understand the situation. She went on to say that, quote, can't, that she can't stand the idea of losing me, but, quote, needs to do this work alone to re-earn the privilege of being with me again in the future. I can't Ooh. help but feel like she isn't being honest for, with herself and that she's just not that into me anymore, but I am still completely in love with her. My heart hopes that she will find me again, but my head says that she has made it impossible. Does this make any sense? Has taking a break ever worked? I'm torn between severing things completely to focus on my own healing or maintaining a tether to the relationship I still believe in with the person I still love. Thanks for reading. You guys are great. Thank you, Howard, for writing this letter. Howard, thank you so much. Um, uh, so, Sam. Yeah. I have two, like, out the gate, off the bat questions. Mm-hmm. And I want to lead with kind of a personal one based off of my own experience. And what Howard writes, a direct quote, is that his ex said that she loves him, but she needs a break because she needs to, quote, work on herself alone. Mm-hmm. And I hear that and I wince because while I think that is possible and true in so many cases— I have been guilty of saying that when I wanted to break up. (laughs) Yeah. Breakups are hard. Yeah. Breaking up with someone is difficult for sure. I mean, do you relate to that at all or do you know that? Yeah. I mean, I once told a dude that I was breaking up (laughs) to be alone and then was immediately dating someone else and like two weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) This is also talking about, I'm talking about, I haven't used that excuse in like, I don't know, a decade, but like I, I winced when I heard that read aloud because that is, that is a little bit of a red flag for Mm -hmm. me. Yep. Um, and I guess we don't need to go into it more other than the fact that if anybody's out there who's trying to break up with somebody and is like, oh, no, like, it's it's me, not you. Like, I need to do growing. Like, yes, that can be so wildly true. Mm-hmm. And I actually have separated from someone I love very much because that was wildly true that I was not, like, developed, right? That, yep. I, that I could not maintain the relationship that deserved – how it deserved to be maintained. But uh, I feel like we can collectively do better. Mm-hmm. Like, what is an alternative that you would say that's still true to the idea that we do need to grow alone, but also is a little bit more transparent? Um, I mean, I think the idea of I need to grow alone is the is fine. It's the I need to grow alone so that I can be better for you in the future. That That's what gives me the most pause. Because mm. it's like... Yeah, I it's love perfectly, that distinguishment. Yeah, it's that's like, perfect. Yeah, sometimes you need to break up with someone because you're like, I am not being my best in this relationship and I need to 
I need to be alone so that I can yeah, figure out what I'm doing. That is real. That yes. part of it is yep. real. But the I need to be alone so that I can be a better person for you in the future to me feels like an unfair thing to do to someone. That's it. I'm so glad I posed that and that you fixed it for me <laughs> because that's what it is, is that we it is what makes me wince, Howard, is that is not the work that she thinks she needs to do on herself. It's that you are put in a very unfortunate position where you have to fucking wait for her. Mm-hmm. And yep. I and I don't think that's fair. Yep. And I, you know. I can also, I can totally sympathize with your partner in this of being like in a, in a shitty situation, going through some mental health issues and like realizing that a relationship isn't working anymore and not really wanting to have to break it entirely. Like, I think that that's a normal response to it, but I also want you to feel empowered to recognize that this is probably not a break and that you don't deserve being strung along or being asked to wait for something that's probably not going to actually come to pass. Before we dive into that more, because I, I unfortunately totally agree. (laughs) uh, Let's answer the question. Do you think that breaks work? I think that breaks can work if both parties feel like the break is a good idea. Uh, I know where you're trying to go with that, but I disagree. Okay. Um, because sometimes people don't want a break, but don't know that they need one. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, if you don't want to break up, a break sounds fucking terrible. And you're like, that's not a good idea. I don't, you know, but it yeah. could be a beneficial thing. So I'm, I'm in terms I, of getting back together or in terms of realizing that you should have broken up <laughs> uh, in terms of getting back together, I think is what I'm saying. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pushing back on semantics. Like, both parties don't necessarily have to think it's a good idea in order for it to be beneficial to your relationship towards getting back together in the, in the, yeah. in, in the beginning. Sure. Is that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I fundamentally disagree, but <laughs> well, I think I think no, that's fine. Um, I think what I'm saying is, uh, do they have to both be on the same page? Do they have to know the boundaries? Do they have to do that? Do, do they both have to enter into it? With the same understanding of what it is, yes. Yeah. But do they both have to enter into it like excitedly, you know, or like, uh, yeah, but that's not what's happening. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm talking about in, in general. Yeah. I mean, I, but what I guess what I mean is that like both parties have to be okay with it. I mean, that there has to be clear parameters around what the break is, and both parties have to be like, yeah, we, this is something that needs to happen. Cause otherwise it's gonna be like, I want a break. You don't. And so now you sit and wait for me yes. while I figure out whatever it is. And now I have all the power. Yes, I totally agree. Are- I think I I think I was getting caught up on the, you know, a lot of people go like go into a break for the from their relationship um, unwilling or like un desiring of that because they want to stay together yeah yes and so so no no i'm totally on board with you now because you're saying both people have to go into it and say this is what it is it's not that one player is out of the game for a while yeah you know or or whatever the metaphor you want to go with yeah for sure it's not just one person being like okay i'm gonna go on a break yeah you wait for me (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. because and that's and that's the problem with breaks so often is that they are definitely i would say 90 percent of the time instigated by one partner yep you know 
sometimes they are mutually like decided upon, but they're insti- they're most of the time they're instigated by one partner, and the other partner then if it's if the dynamic is not healthy in the very beginning, then mm-hmm. that one partner is like just hanging out there waiting for you to the other partner to quote unquote like be ready to be with them again. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where that falls yep. short. And I think it's one of those things that we've talked about before in terms of like timing too. Like timing in a relationship is critically important. And I know it feels like we should, like if we find our one true love, then timing shouldn't matter. And like we should mm, figure out totally. how to be oh together. God, yeah. But if, uh, Howard, if your girlfriend isn't able to be in relationship with you right now, the it, the fact that you love her and want to be with her is disrupted by the fact that she can't be in a relationship right now. Yes. Right? And I know it feels like, but I love her and I want to be with her and and we are meant to be together. But the fact that she's not ready to be in a relationship right now means that she's not actually meant for you right now. Yes. And that's a really hard and like sort of callous thing to say. But the reality is, is that like you're now in a situation where you don't get to have any choice over whether or not you're in this relationship. Like she has taken away from you the opportunity, the thing that you want, which is to be in relationship, right? And so now you have to make a decision with what you have in front of you, which is either stick around praying that she will decide to come back to you. Right. Or taking control of the situation and saying, that's not what I want. I can't have the thing that I want. And I don't want this other thing that's halfway there. And so I'm going to choose to find something else that will give me what I need out of a relationship. Totally. And I, and honestly, I think I think my instinct says she's going to say, oh, but I haven't done enough whatever yet. Mm-hmm. And then you know it's time to step away. Mm-hmm. My one thing about breaks is that I think we don't do them hard enough. Like, I think it should be like a no contact. Yeah, for sure. Situation. Yep. Uh, like, no sleeping together. Because if you are if you are going through the motions of the relationship, but you're quote unquote on a break, right. that's not real. Yep. That is, you're, you're, you're using that as like a fake space to do growth that, and no growth could happen there. For sure. Yep. A break is meant to disrupt healthy, unhealthy patterns um, or loops or behaviors in a relationship. A break is meant to make you stop and think about what you are, uh, what you are perpetuating that could, that's unhealthy, and what you could lose if you choose to end this relationship and not change your behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I think Sam and I are both in the school of thought that like a break should be a essentially the black box block of relationships. Yep. You don't have to block them on social media, but like you don't call, you don't text. You don't see each other for a week, two weeks, three weeks, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then you see what it, and then you make a date to get together and see what you learned. Yep. What did you learn from being apart? Yep. Are you happier? Do you miss that person? What would you like to prioritize? For sure. Time apart has to be time apart. That's where you gleam all of those revelations. Yep. And so, do I think breaks can work? Yes, absolutely. But just like Sam said, um, they they have to be real. They have to mm-hmm. be done as though they're not just a uh, waiting area or like the waiting lobby in a hospital. Yeah, you know? it can't just be relationship light. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Diet relationship. No, yeah, right. it has to be we're on a break. Yep. 
and a break is looks like this. Nothing. Yeah. So if anybody out there is like contemplating a break or in a break, make sure that you that there are ground rules. Yep. We can't sleep with other people or we can sleep with other people. Mm-hmm. We're not going to contact each other. Uh, we're going to, you know, think I want, you know, you could even give yourself things like I want to think about, I want you to think about X, Y, and Z while we're apart. I'm going to think about these things. Yep. And when we come back, we can have a, we can, maybe we can share our vision for our relationship. Mm-hmm. And maybe your vision is you want to see us together, um, living together. And my vision is that I think I, I like being apart better or yeah, whatever, right. you yep. know, that, Time does bring great clarity. For sure. So, Howard, I think that Sam and I aren't anti your relationship. Mm -hmm. We are more (laughs) pro-Howard. Yes, for sure. And I think it's time that you start prioritizing your wants and needs in this relationship. Absolutely. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Our next letter comes to us from Unoriginal. First name, Un. Mm-hmm. Last name, Original. <clears throat> I've never seen that before, so it is re- original. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. <laughs> right, right. Of, of the 900 letters we've gotten so far. Uh-huh. Writing to us from the U.S. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First and foremost, I love y'all and this podcast. Your advice is always warm, thoughtful, and funny, and you are joys to listen to. My question is, the version, is a version of the age-old, can you stay friends with your ex? Over the last decade, my high school boyfriend and I parlayed our puppy love into sweet, supportive friendship. We were high school sweethearts and a bit enmeshed as all good teenage loves are. But I am so grateful for the warm, safe bubble in which we learned to love. It's been over a decade since we started dating and nearly eight since we broke up for good. We live in different cities now and have both moved on. I am married and he lives with his girlfriend, but we stay in touch. Often, our friendship is light and relaxed. We text each other funny memes or chat about silly things going on. But we also have seen each other through very difficult situations and transitions. He is one of my oldest, dearest friends. We have some growing pains, and the heartbreak was terrible and slow and messy. But eventually, we settled into many healthy boundaries. We avoid talking about sex. We make an effort not to criticize our partners or discuss relationship problems, and we seldom reminisce about our past rom- uh, romance. We live in different cities and rarely see each other in person. We are open and honest with our partners. They both know that we are still friends and how close we are, and we've all even hung out together. Neither of us is on social media. We were close with each other's families in high school and early college, but have since disentangled those ties as well. We don't have any close mutual friends. Overall, we both feel very comfortable with our friendship and our partners do as well. Hmm. That all being said, I still have doubts. Our culture sends a loud and clear message. Thou shalt not be friends with thine ex. (laughs) The external warning I fear most is that I'm preventing deeper intimacy with my husband because I maintain this old connection. Mm. Deep down, that rings false. We have a strong, mutually supportive marriage. Of course, there are things my friendship with HSB, high school boyfriend, (laughs) gives me that my marriage doesn't. Areas of mutual interest and shared knowledge of our hometown. But none of it feels more precious than any other relationship. My parents, sibling, college buddies, and close friends all fill needs my marriage doesn't. It feels a little sexist and heteronormative to imply that I cannot be fully engaged in my marriage because of this friendship. 
Is this wishful thinking on my part? How do I even tell if this friendship is preventing deeper intimacy with my husband? For context, my husband and I have been married for a little over two years and have been been together for nearly seven. We got together a year after HSB and I finally broke up for good. The other cultural trope that irks me is the, quote, you never really got over each other narrative. This is this also rings false. HSB and I are kindred spirits, but our current friendship is a far cry from the teenage infatuation we once shared. We've both grown and changed, and I do think I do not think or hope we will ever rekindle our romance. Still, I wonder that the simple fact that we've kept in touch and remained close through all these years is evidence of a persistent romantic feeling or at least evidence that we haven't truly moved on. My ultimate question is, does something have to change? Losing him would be a huge loss to grieve, like losing a best friend. But if that's necessary to be the best, most present version of myself in my marriage, then I'm, I guess I'm willing to. I know circumstances may eventually shift and make our friendship impossible to maintain. But unless and until that happens, I hope we are able to enjoy this strange, sweet place we've car- carved out in each other's lives. Any musings would be humbly appreciated. <laughs> Thank you so much, unoriginal. What do you want to call them? Unoriginal? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this letter. I think it's super charming. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to answering your question. But the first thing I want to say, unoriginal, is that you just need to trust yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Because you are so level-headed, you have set up what seems to be a very healthy, stable, sustainable relationship and boundaries yep. with your ex-boyfriend from a decade ago. A decade ago. Um, and you talk about how beneficial it is, and you even talk logically about the boundaries you've set up, but also how you don't, you know you don't have to get everything from your husband. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know what to do. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> All of your feelings are right. Uh, yeah, they are. And I think, um, I mean, I think that just because you were in a relationship with this person in the past doesn't necessarily impact the fact that they are now just a good friend to you. Yeah. Right. And I and I do think that you're right that there are that there is a trope out there that's like, and Sierra and I say it all the time, never be, like, you don't have to be friends with your ex. Yeah. But the key thing is that there is, you don't have to be friends with your ex, right? (laughs) You should see our hand motions. (laughs) And, uh, and when, I think when we talk about it, it's much more about like, hey, I broke up with this person three weeks ago and I feel the the need to be their best friend still. Like that's where it's like, no, no, you don't have to do that for them. You don't have to be their emotional support anymore. You don't have to be the one that that picks up the phone when they call, right? But you are like establishing healthy boundaries. You have moved past the relationship with each other. Uh, you feel good about it. Your partner feels good about it. Like there's absolutely no reason for you to let society say you shouldn't be friends with that person because you dated them eight years ago. Yeah. And I think that to to kind of jump on that like sexist heteronormative thing, um, I would also add that, like, I think another trope that culture says to us is that the people we sleep with or are involved with are always with us, mm-hmm. like that they they have like a stain on our body, the number of people we sleep with or the people we love or whatever, that they stay with you forever. Yeah. And I just that's just not true. 
Like you can move on. You could, your body is free of that. Your heart is free of that. Mm-hmm. And just because this person was important to you in the past doesn't mean the way that they are important to you now can't take a new shape and a new form and a new purpose in your life. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I would almost say like y- you and I'm sure you do this in your real life, but like you don't need to talk about him as though he's your ex anymore. Yeah, he's just your friend. <laughs> yeah, like what? Well, there's like a quote. Uh, I don't know who it's by. <laughs> Great, <laughs> but it's basically like it takes um, it, it takes the body seven years to regenerate all of its skin cells, which mm-hmm. means in seven years I will have a body that you never touched. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. something yep. like that. Beautiful, poetic. Yeah, are you sure that's not that Sierra Demolder original? <laughs> I wish. (laughs) Um, uh, But you can buy all of my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. (laughs) Um, But that being said, like you, seven years has passed. You are no, this person is no longer part of you. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to like run with that weird scientific poetic. We're not saying that seven years is the like (laughs) the tried and true marker. But yeah, yeah, the the sentiment is right. Yeah. Um, So we just want to say like, yeah, you're right. Unoriginal. You, this is good. And don't overthink it. You have a great relationship with this person. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Like it sounds like you have a great friendship. For sure. Like maybe you guys should start a podcast. Yeah. And I feel like there are other instances of, that I know of my life of people who are like, oh yeah, we dated forever ago for like a year. And now we are just really good friends yeah. because we realized we weren't good as a couple, but yeah. we were really good as friends. Uh, that's the phrase right there. We we were not good as a couple, but we're really good friends and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Let's move to the more universal question. Can you stay friends with an ex? And mm-hmm. I guess how, like, I think you and I are saying, yes, <laughs> like that's our answer. <laughs> the yeah. weird pause. Yep. Because you can. Yes. Right. Should you? Not always. Right. Uh, I think that we definitely need time. I think uh-huh. I think we need way more time than we always give ourselves. Yeah. I think that is probably the number one thing. Yep. Like, guess what? This person who you loved and broke up with or had some sort of toxic falling out with, they will be a more experienced version of themselves in a year. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need... You could take a break from them, going back to the idea of breaks. Like, yep. you guys could take a break and then try to be friends later yep. when you guys both have time apart and and maybe new perspective and experience. Mm-hmm. But I would pull a page out of Unoriginal's book and and lean heavily on those boundaries. For sure. Yep. I, I'm going to read them again because they were so, like, textbook good, mm-hmm. you know? Obviously, you could adjust them per year experience, but uh, they say that they have really healthy boundaries because they avoid talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Why I think that's beneficial is not that you can't talk about sex with your friends. You can, but that just ensures that you don't, I don't know, code switch into that world, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It keeps things nice and safe and neat and consensual. Yep. Because also, another thing to consider is maybe just because you are okay with talking about your sex life with your ex, your ex might not consent to that. Mm-hmm. Your ex might, that might not be their boundary, For right? Sure. Yep. Um, so it, I just think it's like maybe like a smart thing to avoid. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't be two adults talking about sex. For sure. But yeah, I, I think it's smart. 
the next one was um, make an effort not to criticize our partners uh, or discuss our relationship um, problems. I think that is so smart about the criticizing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that healthy relationships you can you can bring things to, you know. Yeah, like the I mean, problems. it's yeah, it's normal to criticize your partner. I mean, like everyone, everyone always has issues with their partner, right? But it's important, and I think this is true, like not just of people you that you were that you dated in the past, but also like there are certain relationships where it's not good to talk about sex, or it's yes. not good to talk about criticizing your ex because, like, it's not just even about like your uh, somebody or not good to criticize your partner because, like. Maybe it's that person that you work with that you're like sort of really attracted to and there's been some flirtation about it. Like these are examples of boundaries that you can set where you can still be friends with that person. But, you know, like this is the line that I can't cross because I will become uncomfortable with the way that that conversation could go. My morals will be bent. Right. Yep. So easily if I enter into this conversation with someone or whatever. For sure. And I think that we all or at least in my experience, there have been those people where it's like, we're just not going to talk about that kind of stuff because like the possibility that something is going to like get or overstep is real. But I still want to be very like good friends with you. Right. right? And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to, to have people where that possibility exists as long as you are clear about your boundaries and you are clear with your partner or partners about what like what the parameters of those boundaries are. I'm so glad you clarified that too, because I think I, I think it's such a good reminder that boundaries are malleable from person to person. Yep. Right. And they actually come down to boundaries aren't just like about what do I feel okay with right now? It's mm-hmm. about it's about making happy, healthy, whole, safe decisions that will keep you on the sustainable life path that you want to be on. Yeah, for right? sure. Yep. So like maybe I shouldn't talk about sex around somebody who I feel like a sexual chemistry with mm-hmm. that I don't want to cheat on my partner with. For sure. In the same way that you say, I'm not going to talk about my mental health issues with this person because I know that it causes them to then unload on me right. all of the stuff that I'm inequipped to deal with. Right. right, totally. Like it's that's what we talk about when we talk about boundaries is like understanding what you can and can't give to other people. And that is both people that you are attracted to, people that you like, that you have had sex with, and yeah. also people who are asked too much of you or people who uh, want to overstep, right? Like it's the the idea of boundaries is important in all different types of relationships and not just always in sexual ones or in ones with people who are trying to ask for too much of us. Totally. I totally agree. I'm so glad we touched on that because I think I've wanted to talk about that in other instances. But anyway, um, unoriginal, you are lending us great knowledge. (laughs) Uh, And they say they also seldom reminisce about their romantic past. And I want to touch on that really quickly because I feel like the over-romanticized world that we live in um, and and this has a profound effect on me. I'm a I'm a fucking sucker for nostalgia. Yeah, for sure. And I've made bad life choices based in nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like I just wish we worked out, or I wish it wasn't like this, or I wish you were the right person for me, or mm-hmm. you know, yep. like I 
it, it's it's like a combination of nostalgia and just wanting things to be good mm-hmm. that has led me to make bad choices with people from my past oh, for sure. because I want it to feel resolved or something like that. But if you you know follow unoriginal's directions and you avoid that, then there's nothing to remin- There's nothing to that's not solved, mm-hmm. right? If you stay in the present, then you don't. There's not the wistful wishing that things were different even if you don't actually want them to be different yeah you know yeah yeah i think that's uh that about covers it any other advice about being friends with your exes other than not (laughs) just don't do it just kidding (laughs) uh no i think that um actually unoriginal gave a great example of what it can look like i know i think that's why i wanted to answer this letter is because like you don't need our advice (laughs) you're doing great Yeah, right? You are but you could you, be a teacher you give to others. Us advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I thought it was so good is that like I, that's perfect. And they're transparent about their relationship with their partner. Yep. Right? For sure. So and the, I think that that again is really key that open and honest conversation about being like, yeah, we dated, but like this yeah. is the scope of our relationship right now. Um and the fact that your partner trusts you in that is great. Yeah. And that you're not betraying their trust yeah. is also fantastic. Yeah. And final comment about it all. We always say sometimes people just aren't meant for us. Mm-hmm. But to kind of jump off of Sam's words earlier, like they might not be good partners, but they're great friends. Like yeah. some people aren't meant for us romantically, but they are meant for our life. Yeah, for sure. And that's beautiful. That's You have a beautiful relationship on Original, and I think it inspires a lot of us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. We love you. All right, our third and final letter comes from Ashley B., who is writing from Houston, Texas. You better come to our Austin <laughs> show. I know it's a drive. But yeah, it's like I have no idea where Houston is in relation to Austin. <laughs> it's uh, a short, medium-length drive. Okay. My, <laughs> I, don't, I think it's like four hours or two hours no or something. That's I've great. made the drive in my life, Okay, but I don't remember. Uh, I've it's only a short, medium drive. been to Grapevine, Texas. Um, so it's the only grapevine. Yeah. It's outside of Dallas. I went there for a conference. It was 115 degrees the whole time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, can't wait to go to Austin. Sam and Sierra, when your podcast was first recommended to me, I couldn't imagine why I've been in two relationships in my life and have been single for going on two years. Just break up. I thought with who? <laughs> Now that I've been listening for a few months, I can't imagine not having your soothing voices explain tricky relationships and emotions I've yet to personally navigate. I love y'all. I love your friendship. And I love your podcast. Thank you, Ashley. I know. It's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Now to the tricky relationships slash emotions I am navigating. I'm a 25-year-old cisgender heterosexual female. As I said, two relationships in my entire life, two years of being single most recently. I would consider myself a comma, but girl. I like you, comma, but. Hanging out with you or talking to you is fun, comma, but. Ugh. You get the gist. I'm good, but something's not quite right. This usually occurs after hooking up and or hanging out with a guy for a while, anywhere for a few weeks to a few months, and trying to figure out where we stand and where or if we see this progressing. I don't consider myself lesser than for being a comma, but girl, but it. It's a term that I coined and take in stride, but it does hurt because at the point of having this conversation, feelings have obviously developed on my part. I mean, if I wasn't feeling it, why would I ask? Deep inside, I'm screaming, what is wrong with me? Why doesn't he love me? He ca- why can't he love me? 
but I realize this is toxic thinking, and this is not my question for you today. I know Sierra would provide positive affirmations if I were to ask that, and believe me, I'm telling myself all the nice things. I'm happy, I'm whole, I'm a work of art, even when he stops admiring me. You know the drill. Instead, my question for you two is this. How do I present myself as someone who wants, or possibly is fully aware she deserves, commitment? How do I make it understood that I see a casual hookup as something more serious and eventually avoid situationships entirely? Also, at what time? I find it weird to tell a guy off the bat that I only want something serious because he could be Mr. Wrong and then I definitely don't want something serious. Help. This is such a strange thing for me. I've always thought of myself as fiercely independent. I just moved to a new city by myself. I'm confident in my sexuality. I thoroughly enjoy sex. So I've always enjoyed casual hookups, friends with benefits, and old fuck buddies, but not anymore. Maybe it's my age creeping up on me or societal expectations, but I want more out of a male companion than I ever have before. So I write to you today, moving past the I'm not good enough nonsense and the overstated men are trash sentiments. And instead, I am taking responsibility myself and the way that I present myself and am perceived by others. What should I do and when to show a potential Mr. Right? I want something more. I love that letter. Yeah. Thank you, Ashley. I love the comma, but girl thing. I know. I think that's actually like a really cute, endearing title. It is. But let's just be clear that you are not a comma butt girl because like you are amazing and fantastic and there's no qualifications or exceptions. Well, what if it is like a hashtag forever alone sort of thing like that, (laughs) that she's using that title to reclaim some things about herself, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what. Yeah. (laughs) Other than you're awesome and then you haven't just met the right person yet. Yeah. But so the... Thank you for the endearing letter. Mm -hmm. The foundational questions are, how do you present a more commitment forward? Basically, how do you present what you want in the beginning? Mm -hmm. And how to do that like smoothly and not in an intense way. (laughs) Right? Uh Um, What do you think? How do you do it? How do I do it? I didn't do it. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) I was like, um, just here to like party. Yeah, right. Like I'm just like here for whatever. Yeah. But then like everybody I dated was like, let's get married. True. So maybe do that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um uh I think that let's 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 regroup. Let's think. Okay, so on a first date, we talked about in the beginning of the episode. Yep. Or even in a Tinder bio, which we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. or a dating profile. Yeah, like three episodes ago. <laughs> Oh, whoops. Um, (laughs) We could say, um, excited to meet, I'm excited to meet people, but I'm looking for something real and long lasting Mm -hmm. in a bio or something like that. Yep. But how would you bring it up in a, in a date? Oh, you know what I'm, I'm going to, I fucking hate what I'm about to say. I feel like I'm going to hate what I'm about to say. So what are you, you going to say? No, you go first. <laughs> you hate yourself first. <laughs> uh, I think on a date, you can ask, like, what is the person, like, looking for? Oh, I hate myself so much more. Because oh, I was going to say, don't have sex on the first date. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that helps, too. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, when I think, honestly, when I think about I know, the relationships I, that last the longest, I didn't have sex on the first date. <laughs> I, why I hate that is because sex should not be um, something that indicates commitment or uh, 
any sort of legitimacy, right? But for some reason, I think that because of our weird sex shaming, uh, like anti-commitment, whatever, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, men and women and non-binary folk, will code um, sex early in the relationship as something more casual Mm -hmm. and waiting to have sex as something more serious. Yep. I'm stating that out loud as a fact of our culture, not that it is right. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's right. Because I can actually say, the uh, I, while that is your lived experience, my lived experience is the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. having sex on the first date was not an indication of longevity or whatever. However, yeah. it is a very clear way to stay in, in our weird romantic non-language of like taking things slower, being a little bit more quote unquote serious. Yeah. I fucking hate that it's true, but this is an advice podcast and that will unfortunately work. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I think that and you're right. I, it's it's problematic, no doubt. Yep. And I think um I think that uh I probably also conveyed seriousness about like dating someone by like going on actual dates with them yes okay so let's let's get away from the sex thing because and i think it's more it might actually be less sex and more the fact that i was like great we're gonna go on a date together it's gonna be you and me we are going to go to whatever this restaurant this bar we're gonna have a couple drinks or we're gonna eat a meal and then we're gonna say goodbye at the end of it right like i have plans after this this is like an opportunity because it that makes it feel at least what i was trying to convey was that it was like, nope, this is us like getting having a conversation and getting to know each yeah. other in an intent, like with the intent to like continue doing stuff like this yeah. rather than being like, hey, I'm at this place with my friends. Come join us, which like lowers the stakes a little bit, yeah. I think, or is like you up. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So I love this and I still hate myself for this comment. Just so anybody out there who's like rolling their eyes at me about this, I I hate it. it I'm just saying what I've seen in real life. Yeah. Um, but I like the direction that you're going on is that like make the date legitimate yeah. instead of just convenience or mm-hmm. like a cool hang. Like, yes, okay, it's it's much easier to hang out with a stranger in a group of your friends at a party or yep, whatever. For sure, yeah. It's cool, it's low stakes. I'm a cool, I'm a chill chick or whatever. Yep. <laughs> but instead, you can set, uh, non-verbally, you can establish uh, the level of commitment that you're interested in mm-hmm. by the level of... Um, intention I, yeah, yeah behind your first date yep. lean into that awkwardness to hopefully get the benefit on the other end for sure which is like shared goals and for where your relationship is going yeah for sure and i think that um asking like in the first or second date what are you looking for is not an unreasonable question to ask yes and so going back to sam's thing that he didn't want to say which mine was just way worse <laughs> but sam was like uh say ask what you're interested in in the first date i think we need to normalize the language of like so what do you what are you looking for how long have you been on tinder yeah. like what what are you kind of looking for in relationships right now and so to be totally honest those were questions that i asked on on dates yeah. like when i was when i was dating to be like i want to actually like date someone, right? Yeah. Like I'm interested in commitment. I am, yeah. um, I'm not just interested in like having sex with people. Like 
I would honestly ask that question of, yeah, how long have you been on Tinder? Like, how have your dates been going? Like, what are you looking for? Like, it doesn't have to be like, okay, so I'm interested in marriage. So like this better be getting us there. Yeah. But instead being like having a more organic conversation about that, about our dating experiences, about sort of like feeling it out. Like, what are you, what are you looking for? Have you been able to find it? What has your experience been like to like lead towards a shared understanding of where you both are? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, let's, I'm here to get married. So like, here's the dates, but instead be (laughs) like, I'm interested in commitment. Like that doesn't mean that this has to be like a thing right now, Totally. but like end goal. That's what I'm looking for. Totally. I think that's so good. And I still like have a little bit of vomit in my mouth from the sex thing I said. (laughs) Um, I'll share a funny story about uh, that from my past about sex and stuff. Um, But I think you're so right. Um, it's about the intention of the date mm-hmm. and not being afraid to not be the quote unquote chill person. Yeah. Right? Asking someone what they're interested in or looking for is a chill thing to do. Yes, it is. Not talking about it and then freaking out about it while they're not looking is not, not chill. a chill thing. To not do. chill. <laughs> <laughs> chill or not chill? Yeah, right. Not chill. <laughs> uh, but like, and it's not even about chill, it's about like, it's, it conveys a level of confidence. It conveys a level of, like, assuredness about, like, you know what you're looking for. And it's just about, like, if that person's not looking for the same thing, then they're not for you. So, like, why waste your time? Totally. Okay, so funny story about, like, sex withholding. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, I have talked on this podcast several times about somebody who, like, a close friend that I was, like, tumultuously in love with for several years. Uh If you want to learn more about it, you can listen to my poem, Unrequited Love poem. <laughs> it's on YouTube. But anyway, people who know my poetry career will know this, and you know it just from the years and years of torment, torment that I talked about. Oh, my God. I was I was there the whole time. Tumult- tumultuous <laughs> friends, friends who, like, always were going to maybe date but never would, and, like, I always felt, like, not enough around him or oh, whatever. Oh, for sure. And we went to that stupid bar so many times. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like just, multiple weekends in a row just to like... See him. See him. Yeah. I'm not even... I don't even <laughs> know what the fuck I was thinking. Ugh. <laughs> and honestly, like if I go back and listen to the Unrequited Love poem, um, like I I still really like that piece because I, 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 re- I know that it's a very universal thing to like have Unrequited Love. But I, I'm just like, girl, like just get the fuck out. Like what are you thinking? Just break up. Um, anyway, the funny story is I was like complaining about this person for like the seventh year in a row. Mm-hmm. Really, yep. it was more like three, but I'm probably on year two or whatever, complaining about <laughs> it to my friend. And the friend that I was complaining to was very, uh, I ended up stopping. I ended at one point I stopped asking him for relationship advice because he was very Darwinistic. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. he was always like, well, evolution says that. Yeah. Blah, I know. I know. It was very weird. Gross. But the one fucking thing that he said that I hate that it turned out to be right. He was like, I was like, oh, I just don't know what's going on like with me and so and so. And he's like, well, just uh, tell him you don't want to have sex with him. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, do he said under no circumstances don't have sex with him. And so that night I went to this dude's house to like make dinner with him Uh and he was like flirting with me, but like not flirting with me. And I just wasn't engaging. I didn't engage at all. I didn't show one ounce of interest in him. Jesus Christ. I'm not kidding. And I swear to God, he was 
baffled Sam. Yeah. This man was, he was, and at one point I can, I can tell you a direct quote from the conversation. Cause at one point I'm like chopping peppers or something. And I go, no, I, I wouldn't have sex with you. I don't want to. Um, and he goes, what? And he goes, even if I showed up butt naked with like a bow tie on my penis, you wouldn't want to have sex with me. And I was like, nope. And he was thrown sam he was so <laughs> thrown and guess what he did that night had sex with you yes well that was my bad <laughs> but, but what i'm saying is like he finally showed me the interest that i was yeah. like really craving and then i fucking broke my promise to myself and had sex with him you turned the table and you nagged him <laughs> yeah yeah, I had the power, and then I gave it up immediately, and I hate myself, and there's vomit in my mouth, and I'm gagging my own words that sex is power, blah, 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 but that's an example of where I got that yeah. mind frame, that thought process from. I get it. But anyway, yeah, I had sex with him, and I definitely shouldn't have, or else we probably would be married with babies right now. <laughs> I wouldn't want that for No, you. I wouldn't want that either. We'd be totally divorced. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and I'm not equating withholding sex from being mari- marriage material. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just a thing that society has yeah, taught us, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're, I'm imperfect. Please forgive me. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Anyway, Ashley, back to you. <laughs> Sorry about that little <laughs> tangent. I just had to share that funny story um, about me humiliating myself. There was no bow tie. But it worked. I know. And that's why I told the story. And that's why I hate it. <sighs> Whatever. It's so complicated. Please forgive me. I feel bad. Let's move on. I don't I don't think you should feel bad. No, I feel bad for like putting like perpetuating something that I think is problematic. Oh, got it. Yeah. That's why I feel bad. Yeah. I also feel bad for sleeping with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all, all right, right Ashley. Anyway, Ashley. Uh, I think this gives you some direction, hopefully, like mm-hmm. uh, intention in dates, not being afraid to not be the chill person and ask for what you want out front. Yep. It sounds like you have a great sense of self. You have a lot of confidence and you know your worth. And now it's about putting that into like verbal and physical practice Absolutely. in terms of saying like, let's go on a date. Use the D word. Right. Do you want to go on a second date? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and make sure that there are parameters within those dates, whether you have sex or not, because Godspeed, yep. use that body for what it was made for. For sure. Um, but the parameters are in place that, that verbally or non-verbally say this is what you're looking for. Absolutely. And recognize that that being this intentional might call the suitors that are coming towards you. Suitors. <laughs> right? And it may feel like failure because you're not getting as many people biting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's actually working because it's, it is... It's weeding out weeding, the trash. Right? Weeding out the folks who don't want to be pursuing a relationship yeah right yeah, yeah and yeah. that's okay think that about is it as a litmus it, test right you say what are you looking for in a relationship something long term and they say no and then you say goodbye yeah <laughs> easy that stick turned red or whatever the fuck the litmus test is yeah for sure exactly that stick <laughs> i'm a science person that's right litmus tests measure ph balances mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i should ask your girlfriend yes she is a scientist she is yeah i yes it does okay it's like Something acid. Acids and bases. <laughs> That's a band name. <laughs> anyway, moving on, Ashley, we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you.
All right, that brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. The blind date segment is when we try to set you up with something we really like. Our blind date this week is? Okay, so it is a YouTube channel called Mindful Movement uh, with Sarah Raymond, who is self-described as an oasis. Her her YouTube channel is self-described as an oasis to find inner calm, develop a positive mindset, and heal from stress. Hmm. So um, Sarah provides like so many different videos on this YouTube channel um, to help with like affirmations or guided meditations or yoga. And... What I like most about it is it's super user-friendly, right? It's super beginner-friendly because Mm -hmm. I really struggle with meditation, but I find it very beneficial for my life when I do actually commit to it, but I just really struggle with the commitment. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it's very accessible, so I really like that, and it's very diverse in its topics and approaches all in one little nice, neat home, accessible home. Love it. So if you're not, um, if you are new to the woo-woo world (laughs) or if you're new to meditation Uh um i found it really user-friendly and she's the sarah the woman who does all these guided things um she's very gentle and welcoming and she provides really great visuals and i just think it's it's a good place to start a year ago we one of our blind dates was a book on meditation which Mm -hmm. was like my gateway into it and this has really helped me um in terms of like free content to keep that meditation or that mindful practice going. So again, that's Mindful Movement with guide Sarah Raymond on YouTube. Great. Thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can send us your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find your tickets to our next live show happening Saturday, November 2nd in Austin, Texas at 5 p.m. at the High Ball. You can get your tickets at our website, JustBreakUpPod.com. Bring your friends, bring your exes. Bring your coworkers, bring your mothers. All the people. Bring everyone with you. <laughs> no, uh, really, we really want uh, to, to fill out as much of this music venue as we can. So if you have friends who don't listen to Just Break Up Pod, but who can come as your wing person, please, please, please bring as many people as you can. We want to have a big, wonderful night with you. Absolutely. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. Please also consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on, and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers to give them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... Be willing and able to surrender to this life, but unwilling to take a backseat in your own journey. You are in control, not of other people, not of the world, not of the things that happen to you, but of how you can react to them, how you can change what is within your heart and your mind, what head and heart work you show up to. You are so smart and powerful and empowered so you can choose how you will react and move forward in the face of adversity. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>